This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why, this is why, pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news. This is why, the podcast. Welcome to the This Is Why podcast. I'm journalist, author, and comedy writer, Laura Lane. And I'm hot husband, talented painter, and baby daddy, Nick Rad. Laura wrote this intro. Yes, <laughs> and I this did. part, actually. I feel like a robot right now. That's embarrassing. I will be guest hosting this week's episode called Laura is Pregnant Again. That's right. Angela got the day off, and instead my co-host is half responsible for making me pregnant. Uh, as you all know, every week on the podcast, we give best friend advice on topics including pop culture, news, friendship, dating, workplace dynamics, parenting, and whatever else is on your mind. We'll be answering your listener questions, including a listener dating a guy who is on a visa and another question from a listener who's worried her sister-in-law will be jealous of her engagement. Then we're going to talk about what's in the news, how to tell an amazing bedtime story to a child, or I guess to anybody. And another uh, podcast host answers Laura's parenting question on her show. But first, welcome to the show, producer husband Nicholas. I'm here. I'm back. This is uh, a lot of times for me. I've been here a lot of times. Yes, you're back on the show. Yes, you've you've guest hosted with me. You've guest yeah. hosted without me. You've guest hosted with just you and Angelo. <laughs> I think you interviewed a dominatrix. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's ringing a bell. While I was not there, I don't remember sure. where I was. Maybe, <laughs> but um, <laughs> that happened. Uh-huh. Um, so we decided to have you guest host with me this week because I don't know. It's an episode about me being pregnant, and there's only so many. I don't know. Things Angela. <laughs> Angela's Angela's tired of uh, fielding your distressing stories about pregnancy. No, I or? think she finds it like part of it fascinating for uh-huh. sure. But she's like, no, this is a good one for for Nick <laughs> to do. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a a good way to get out of something you don't exactly want to do. Um. Well, so I f- I feel like I've been pregnant forever. Yeah. Right now, I'm about halfway through. The pregnant, my pregnancy. I hate when people say like we're pregnant because like we aren't. Yes, it's equally both <laughs> child, but like we are def- most definitely not pregnant. Like yeah, I, I am puking. My boobs are like five times as big as they were. Like I'm. I think feeling yucky. I think that's a workaround from saying Laura's pregnant or my wife's pregnant because it seems like oh she did this. It's her fault or something. Like it's like. uh or or you're saying like, oh, my wife's pregnant, blah, blah, blah. It's like you, you're saying we because whatever the thing is that you're talking about, you want responsibility collectively. Then I think you say we are having another child, Laura's <laughs> pregnant. Because like yeah. we are not pregnant. Like like that has to be so, I can't stand that. I think it's like it's like a new thing that people <laughs> yeah, didn't used is, to say that. They it is a new thing. The, they almost think that they're like like fighting the patriarchy by saying mm-hmm. like we are pregnant like as if the man's taking responsibility that's, for that's like the baby in the belly but like um like i get that it might be you know the pregnancy might be stressful you have to deal with like my crazy hormones and me lashing out at you when i'm like more testy and hormonal and my body's changing and i'm just like mad about how shitty i feel like i get it definitely like obviously is gonna affect the husband a lot or partner i shouldn't say just husband but partner woman man whoever that may be um when the baby's there they will be like hopefully almost equally affected um but like but like it's happening to my body like nobody else is going through what i'm going through they're not 
they don't understand what's going through my head, through my body. It's like an experience that's like in some ways extremely isolating. I don't think I don't think I personally have said we're pregnant to anyone. No, thank God. But, I but would I, punch you in the you, face. You've got me interested now. Like when the first time somebody said that, it does feel a douchebag. Yeah, but I but I can also see I see it coming from a place of somebody trying to like expand the idea of like talking about the couple as a we as like a a unit a unit yeah but those are the same people that share email addresses that i also think it's like <laughs> you that like have both members like of the partnership in their facebook and instagram profile picture like they have given up on the idea of that you can still be an individual and have like just yeah. the like i guarantee you the person that says we are pregnant shares an email address and doesn't have a their own picture in their profile. I'm going to I'm going to keep the ears tipped. I don't I'm trying to I'm wondering if I've encountered it in the wild. I feel like it's something I see like on a TV show or something like that, but um yeah, I don't know. I now someone's going to say it and I'm and it's going to drop me. Yeah. So, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been pregnant forever because I did the early test where you find out before you've even missed your period, like six days before. And last with Rilo, it didn't pick up that early. So I thought like, oh, I guess I'm not pregnant. And like we went for Mexican food and I had a margarita. This time I we were supposed to go out wine tasting. And I was like, I just want to, I, I don't, even if I was pregnant, I don't think it could pick it up this early. But like, I'm just going to take this pregnancy test. And then it was showed I was pregnant. I was so shocked. Um, do you remember how I told you I was pregnant? I, you know, I, I saw this on the rundown, and I it's all a blur. What? Honestly. Yeah, I know the whole. Oh my god, you I, don't even remember the I moment. I don't. Yeah, the, I mean, I, I you know, listen, it's it feels like it's been one. You said you you feel like you've been pregnant forever. I, I think it's because you've been like so pregnant in that like the the hard aspects of pregnancy hit you this time, and it's also happened in the middle of a, the strangest time to be alive in my life, and so. You could tell me this happened like a year ago. You could tell me it happened a week ago. It okay, all. Okay, I'll tell like, you where we were. We were at. Yeah. We were in the backyard of your parents' house. You were sitting on the stairs of their, um, like patio, and I was trying to get our son Rilo to <laughs> oh, tell yeah. you Laura has a baby <laughs> in the belly. So I kept whispering to him, yeah. like, "Tell Papa, Laura has a baby. <laughs> Mommy has a baby." And he wouldn't. And he goes, "Look at this guitar." Yeah, and like yeah. he was just saying anything other than like baby and belly. Yeah, and I do remember this being kind of a confusing exchange. So you were kind of confused, like, "What are you trying to whisper to our son?" <laughs> and then I just said, "I just whispered to you, like, I'm pregnant. I have it all on video. I have you on video with your face uh-huh. looking like God. Wow. <laughs> really? I think you said really, but like a happy really." That sounds right. Yeah, I don't know. It's all, I, uh, that sounds pretty funny. And I do remember Rilo kind of like. Not doing yeah, yeah, kind, of, kind of talking about whatever he wanted to talk about. And you were <laughs> trying to direct him. I so. was trying to push an agenda. Yeah. Um, how has this pregnancy been for you? Uh, I mean, you know, rough. But like, I, again, I just think the whole, this whole time has been so strange. And I think the rough part has been like. You you were just real real sick for the first half of it, and I, and I think like up until extremely recently, like past the first trimester, yeah, yeah, it was so it was yeah, awful. like like throwing up c- constantly, like and maybe awake like six hours a day, you know. <laughs> like, well, I was anemic. Yeah, I'm 
I had really bad morning sickness and like I felt like a pregnant goddess with Rilo. I I'm, I think I threw up a few times, but and I was a little tired, but it was nothing like this. This really does feel like a whole different pregnancy. Um, but yeah, it, it I I just like have not been able to function, which I don't know if you've noticed this, but I have noticed that because I just you really did have to step up to the plate in terms of you took over like putting Rilo to sleep duties, which before like I feel like I primarily did, but we would like kind of switch off. But I don't know. I really enjoyed the like that bedtime routine, but I just like couldn't keep my eyes open. I just had no energy to do anything. I feel like you and Rilo have like, I don't know, your relationship has kind of like blossomed <laughs> even more. <laughs> I don't know. Do you uh, well, I, I think it's coincided with, you know, he's he's two and a half now so he's developing at an amazing pace and so his like faculties and ability to express himself have just like leapfrogged during this period of time also so the number of things that dad can do with with him have expanded you know because uh, before like it was all about mom all the time and dad was kind of boring but uh this has coincided with like I don't know. He thinks more things that I do are fun. So we're, <laughs> he likes to play cars with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's been interesting. Like I, I haven't. I don't know why. I, I mean, we did like a really cute announcement when I was pregnant with Rilo, or cute, cheesy, however you want to look at it. Where I found a picture of myself as a toddler with a fake pregnant belly, like a pillow stuffed in my belly. And we recreated that picture and for like social media. But I don't know if it's like, if it's just like the time we're living in, it feels like I really don't like a pregnant, a social media pregnancy announcement just like feels weird and uncomfortable. Like I don't want to do that. Like people are dying. We're in a weird political environment. The like social media pregnancy announcement doesn't feel cute or fun right now. It just feels like almost out of place the way that, yeah, like a sure. vacation photo I, feels out of place. Yeah, I, th I think in the period of time between Rilo being on the way to being born, so three years or so, social media has gone from a place that, you know, I, I some people were sensitive to it back then for sure, but there was a time when it felt like a personal space where you were sharing things with your friends and it was like about your life. And over the course of the last, you know, the last presidency and and this pandemic period of time it just feels like social media has become this like political tool yeah, political you have to yeah show this, your... this aggressive public space no matter what your personal deal is and there's really no delineation and so it's just really hard to put anything on there uh with regularity and not feel some sense of i feel gross dread. everything i post like yeah, yeah. i posted a picture of us in socks this morning like we all have the same socks because my friend has a sock brand and i knew that would mean a lot to her if i posted her socks and even though i'm private i was like i don't know this is like there's so much more important things going on like yeah but like i don't really so really want to use my private instagram to talk about every world and political cause that i care about like i also like to do that I, it's just like, yeah social media has just become weird so yeah on social media unless you've seen me in person I, you probably don't know I'm pregnant, or, or you or you listen to this podcast here, or you <laughs> or you listen to this episode. Yeah. You are probably not going to know I'm pregnant until I all of a sudden have another baby, or <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just feels strange to 
to do. I don't know. Maybe eventually I'll do like a little bump shot and people will be like, well, you're pregnant. And I, another thing that feels weird about the announcement is because I'm high risk and I have doctors that have like freaked me out about preterm delivery and also like devastatingly have had multiple people in my life who have either like lost pregnancies very late in their lost babies very late in their pregnancy or had stillbirths like like I know way too many people <laughs> it's like how do I know this many people where you know until I had friends giving birth I did, like, didn't know this was such a common thing that I really when people like congratulate me on being pregnant I know they mean well and I want to say thank you but I also have this like weird sinking feeling of like like I don't know I'm not very religious but in like Judaism you don't do the baby shower you like wait to give gifts till the baby's like alive and it's like a superstitious thing but I also feel like congratulate me when the baby's here and alive which would be the case like if I wasn't high risk but then that feels compounded my fear and anxiety about is this baby gonna like make it at, like right you know all the way will it be another miracle child and that just adds to my like constant fear and anxiety of every single day like worried that the baby's just gonna I'm going to be sitting on the couch and like give birth to a baby that can't survive. And so, yeah, that also feels like, I don't know, just so a, want, a weird experience being pregnant with this, like trying not to be fear-based, but it, the not also not wanting to be naive to the knowledge that I am like a high risk pregnancy. I don't know. So, you know, like the, the congratulations feels like they, in a, like a, the wrong sentiment or, or are you just, you I don't understand. know what else they. I don't know what else they would say though. Like I don't know what else they would say. Like I do. I want to be pregnant. Wish, so like, congrats on you a healthy uh, birth experience that ends in in a live in baby. A live baby. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that would creep you out more than no. That would. Cre- there's no right thing to I, say. You I, know that this happened to me the other day where uh, I think congratulations is a thing you reflexively say just as like a person to someone else when you know about something in their life but you don't know them that well. Like I. Uh, I ran into a person that I I just happened to know that he's working on a movie, but I don't know anything about it. Like, I don't know that it's coming out. I just know he was working on it. And I saw him in the street and I said, congratulations on your movie. And, the, and then he said, why? Like, what? He said, why? Well, not in a mean I mean, that's way. really funny. I love that he said yeah. that. Because it is, I mean, it's so hard. I know because I've tried and you, you know, we both tried so many times to get shit made. And uh-huh. it's, it's like so impossible to get anything made. If you're, if you're at even at any stage in the process of a movie, it can feel yeah. kind of like, like probably like daunting, make it feel like it's never going to happen. But also at, if you've gotten past the point of writing a script and it's sitting on your shelf, like you in some ways should pat yourself on the back and congratulate yourself. But I guess so, yeah, until I, I people think, are seeing it. But I, I think this is the same instinct that has people say congratulations to expecting parents because it's like, there is a lot that, that's like complicated and hard about having a child. But when you see somebody, you acknowledge like, oh, man, you're doing it. Uh, what's, a, what's a way to spin this? Congrats. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, there's a live person inside my yeah. belly right now. Like Wild. there's a human inside me. Um, I don't, are you, do you have the constant fear that I have about like the high risk? Or does it feel more abstract because we have a son that is perfectly fine and was early but not preterm and made it and do you just have more confidence than I have? Um I have constant fear but it's not specific in that way. I don't know. I just like have like an ambient ambient like existential dread that I'm normally operating under. But on the specificity of worrying about like 
is our child going to be okay? I, I always try to focus in on things that I can worry about that I have any kind of impact on. And that's one where I, I don't feel like I do, but I can understand for you because it's actually physically attached to you. Um, you I would, feel so responsible. Yeah, you feel responsible. And I think yeah. like anybody that like has had a miscarriage goes through the like, did I do anything wrong? Is it my fault? Is it my body? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I could, and, and I they shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. But I, I do. I feel like solely responsible. Did I exercise too much? Did I exercise not enough? Like, you know, they say exercise is important. Should I? Oh God, is it something that I ate? Should I have like eaten healthy? Like, did I not meditate enough? Did the baby feel my stress? Like, like I feel like everything I do at every waking moment could have some effect on this person right. because like studies show that it that in like some it does and like yes, a little stress is okay. But if I have too much stress then like the cortisol levels or whatever, <laughs> like the baby feels that they say, and you really got to keep your stress down or, you know, or, um, you know, your baby can like, you know, there's a higher risk of premature delivery, which I'm already at high risk for. So I'm like constantly trying to do like my meditation and my yoga, my acupuncture. Like it's like my job to try to be calm in an environment that's <laughs> extremely like tense in the world and in my mind. Is like so. It's just like yeah, it hard. Feel, it, it feels like I feel a, very responsible. It feels like sort of like a, a a Greek mythological character whose task in life is your only job in life is to be stressful or to be stress free, and that you know you could just see that character immediately breaking down. <laughs> That's how I feel. That's yeah. how I feel. Like everyone's like you know, be stress free, and like my doctor was like, you have you done reflexology like she asked me like how, uh, what, what are you stressed about i said what am i stressed about um she asked me on the first day i said i'm i am stressed about what's the entire world what's going on in the world and politically and a pandemic and the fact that i am a high-risk pregnancy and my family stresses me out and those are things that like in the background stress me out she's like that's not a good answer <laughs> like uh have you tried reflexology because i know this woman and she like really is good at de-stressing i'm like i guess if i don't do it and my doctor recommended i i okay great sign me up for another thing so i'm doing reflexology they just come over and they massage my feet mm -hmm. and it work that's your... what those bills are for mm -hmm. um, give me give me the <laughs> what is it does it work are you i really do feel extremely calm for that right. hour okay well <laughs> yeah. hey that's an hour it, yeah it, it does it does seem to like clear my third eye as <laughs> my acupuncturist calls where your thoughts get caught up in your brain you got to uh -huh. clear she puts some points to clear my third eye yeah sounds great um so that's what's going on with the pregnancy <laughs> <laughs> so so congratulations yeah uh, you're, you're stress you're stress-free your job is to be stress-free you're Clearing your third eye by sticking needles in it and having somebody rub your feet. <laughs> that's what I'm, that's yeah, what your I mean, wife's been busy doing. But it is, it's one, like one more thing. It feels, so I don't really want to have like a baby shower because that feels, I feel like jinxy about that. But then at the same time, being at risk for preterm and being like a little, you know, a plan, like I feel like I need to be, have my bags packed and have like the nursery ready like months in advance. But then that also feels jinxy. So it feels like I'm caught in this weird moment of not knowing when the baby's going to come. So I want to have everything in place and just feel like settled because there's a thing called like the nesting instinct where you just want to like have your house and like everything in order and organized and stuff thrown out and nursery ready. So I have that strong nesting instinct because I'm at risk. 
but then also not wanting to jinx anything. So I'm caught in this very weird, like, I don't know what you call it, but... Uh, uh, I don't yeah. know. Nick. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how, I, how do you deal? I, how do you deal with somebody that's got so many things, <laughs> so many conflicting feelings? I don't know. I'm I'm just behind you. I'm in your corner, and and I love you. I don't know. All right. Well, that was yeah. very sweet. I love you too. <laughs> okay. Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna let you ask me some questions later on in the podcast. We're gonna talk more about this second pregnancy, but right now we're gonna take a quick sponsor break. Nicholas, and then we're going to jump into the mailbox and you're going to help me answer some listener questions. Awesome. Do it. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Coors Light. Life today is kind of a lot. It forces us to always be on, but every now and then it's important to just stop, crack open a mountain cold Coors Light and chill. So when you choose to turn off, choose the one beer that's made to chill Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment, it's made to chill. Now, I think I told you, Angela, that Nick has been drinking so much beer during quarantine more than ever. I'm like waiting for that beer belly to come, but it hasn't happened. It's He's still got his abs, thank God. Maybe he's been nervous leading up to this episode where he has to fill the gigantic shoes of Angela of, my, of myself. I know. So he's got liquid courage from his pores beer but i'm happy that you're you're you decided to pop in to talk about our sponsors i love our sponsors always have time to talk about how Coors light is made to chill you mentioned it a few times and it truly is made to chill and it's because of their cool bottles that i am genuinely that i genuinely think are really fun yeah they have cold activated bottles and cans that turn blue and chill to perfection um, a little bit more about Coors Light. They are it, Coors Light is brewed with a three-step cold process: cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. So it's actually made to chill. Very fun. That's what Coors Light is all about, and it's why it's the one that we choose when we need a moment of chill. So when you want to reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. You can have Coors Light delivered by going to get.coorslight.com and finding local delivery options near you. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, very nifty, very responsible. Yep, yep, COVID safe. Uh, I also need to include Celebrate Responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly, people. And chill. Okay, Nick, you are taking Angela's role on the show as my guest host, and she is in charge of reading what we have in the mailbox. So, Nick, yes. what do we have in the mailbox this week? Okay, this week we have... oh, and They're both anonymous. Anonymous, okay, great. Uh, I am a 23-year-old and have been seeing this guy since January, and honestly, I've never had an official boyfriend. That sounds like something Laura used to say. Uh, I've dated guys, but have never been in. I, love, <laughs> I like that little. I don't know if that was like a nag or just a observation. It's a, it's a yeah. We're gonna put a pin in that because I think it'll it'll play into the answer. All right. I've dated guys, but have never been in a boyfriend slash girlfriend relationship. Just because I'd rather the guy bring it up, and guys in the past have n never. But maybe that is how men are. So this guy I've been dating since January, he's really great, and sometimes I think he could be the one because of how well we connect 
and can talk about anything. The sad thing for me, though, is that he is on a visa until the end of the year, and I really don't want him to leave, and I try not to say it as much because I don't want him to feel sad about it because he wants to stay here. He leaves at the end of November, which is so difficult to think about because that means we only really have a month left together while he's in the country. Have you or any of your friends been in a situation like this, or do you guys have any insight as to how to make the best of this last month together? Hmm, this is a hard one. So it sounds like there's kind of two parts to this. One is that, you know, you feel a lot of strong connections. You want this guy to be your boyfriend and show some kind of long-term commitment that he hasn't really verbally stated, even though it sounds like you have a strong emotional and physical connection. And then also he's leaving. Um, I, I think you kind of need to either, you know, bring it up with him um, at some point and bring up the idea of, you know, you're leaving. I've had a really great time with you. I really like spending time with you. Is a long distance relationship something that you're interested in or is it not? Because I have a feeling that it might not be, but which is why he has not brought up the boyfriend situation. And in his mind, he might just, you know, maybe just assumes that you wouldn't want a long distance relationship. Maybe that's just not in the cards for him. He wants somebody that he can see every day and have a part of his everyday life. And so he might just, you know, assume that you also realize this is fun while it lasts. You're having a good time together, but there's an expiration date to this relationship and it's when his visa's up. So I have a feeling he does not want the long distance relationship, but like clearly he's, you know, spending a lot of time with you and trying to make the most of your time together. But in the only way you can find that out for sure is by by talking to him and and bringing it up and like confirming that. And also, it might give you he might be making an assumption that you don't want that. So by by telling him like, you know, you're open to it. There's a chance maybe maybe he does, but you also have to be prepared that you might feel some sense of rejection that I wouldn't take personally because just long distance relationships are truly not for everybody. Uh, and and some people really want that day to day companionship and. They don't need a lot of alone time and don't necessarily desire it. So you might get turned down for that if you propose it, but there's only one way to know. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of guesswork on this one. I think some of the, like, we got it, we have her age, but we don't know how long she's been with this particular person. She said since January. And I, uh, okay. And I think she wrote in pretty recently. Since so. last January? So, no, I'm assuming since this January. So, like, a few months. But, like, that's about when you kind of have, uh, oh, since last year. You're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, this, um, yeah, this would have been, like, approaching a year, I guess. Yeah, because. And he leaves at the end of November, which is, yeah. The, oh, am I? When is this coming out? Okay, he's leaving. This episode's coming out at the end of November. Oh, oh so bon voyage. I, well, bon actually, voyage. actually, maybe maybe he can't leave now. Maybe he's been locked down COVID style. Right, right, right. Maybe, maybe COVID has uh, preserved this relationship. But it will have been I, a year they've been yeah, together, yeah, which is like I, truly right. significant. Well, that is, I, I, oh man, this is a complicated question because the first part was about not really having had a boyfriend in the past, which... Which is sort of open, like the way she describes that scenario is interesting. It's like, well, I just have never brought it up and it seems like guys didn't want to. And there's something, there's like some little clue in there about the way communication is happening in the kind of relationships that you have been having, which it feels like there's a lot of fear about 
qualifying what's going on with you and, and partners in your life. And that to me is like, that's a way to live. Like you can kind of just, you know, vibe with people and be like, Hey, I, it, we don't have to call this what it is, but clearly you don't need to put like a traditional title on it. I think like a lot of, and I think that's all it is. The younger, people, younger people, no, younger than us operate. Totally, you know? I, yeah. And but people, I would hate that because I, I need clarity. I think people our own age operate that way too, That's and true. I, and I think that it's kind of a thing where, like, if you know about yourself that you are truly fine with that, that doesn't really bother you. That that's actually how you want to live, then that's that's totally fine, and that's the way to live. But if that's like what you keep finding yourself in, but you know in your heart of hearts, honestly to yourself, that actually what you want is, uh you want a steady committed relationship with somebody who says that's what i'm in i I have um boyfriend and girlfriend with this person um it's something that timeline wise like i feel like you have to be comfortable or willing to like say that after a few months you know? i was gonna say that's funny you said a few months because that's also what i had in my head where i was like yeah the people that i had dated that weren't my official boyfriend it was always like a few months yeah and now when if i see them or we interact for whatever reason like we would i think call each other like our ex or maybe more vaguely say like oh yeah we used to date but at the time it was never you know yeah. this is my boyfriend this is my girlfriend except for like yeah and well, yeah because- anybody i dated longer than three months they event they typically became my uh, yeah really just one person but I hate this stupid. So it count. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I just I don't know. I, I I'm getting away from the question, and the question is about this like kind of ticking. You just think she needs to communicate. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Because I think like a year, you should definitely bring up the what are totally. Question. I I really just think he's just assuming like, oh, she also knows I'm leaving, mm-hmm. so that's the expiration date, and I would just. Yeah, it sounds like you yeah, have I a hope, long distance. Thing. I hope you guys have already had this conversation because if not, he's leaving now yeah, and whatever. You, but. but, you know, <laughs> hey, if, if if you didn't, you can still talk to him about it and what what do you got to lose at this point, you know? Right. And, he's already but, probably like on a plane or at least leaving on a plane in a day or two. I mean, so. I mean, hey, maybe he maybe he lives in like New Zealand where they don't have COVID anymore and maybe maybe this is your time to move abroad. I yeah, mean, maybe, you, you know, expand the boundaries. Who knows? All right, what else we got in the mailbox, Nick? Oh, we wow, we do. And I get your I closed my phone. Out. I was just <laughs> lost in that one. Okay, here we go. This is also from Anonymous. Don't say the Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's her name, but she wants it to be anonymous. Okay, this is from Anonymous. My boyfriend and I have been together for two and a half years, and he's decided to propose soon. In true Virgo fashion, I had to know as much info as possible. Crying face emoji. <laughs> you don't know what that means. You're I, a Virgo, but I, I don't think you can. Oh, really I, I, I know what it. I, I know what it means. Astrology is astrology is a, a great lie, but I am also a Virgo, so I, in theory, should relate to this question. <laughs> His sister has also been dating her BF for like eight years. That's all caps, and she's ready for a ring. But his finances slash job situation are putting his plans on hold for the foreseeable future. If my boyfriend and I were to get engaged before his sister. How can I make sure to be as sensitive about her feelings while also expressing how excited I'd be? My boyfriend also plans to propose with a family ring from his grandma, so I feel just guilty about that. Or so I just feel guilt. I just feel guilty that engagement is a closer step for us, but I want to be appreciative of this family ring. Okay, I got you, girl. Okay, um, I, I I have a question about the question. Did yeah. you understand the ring part of the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just feels like um, 
he has like a sister and like her her engagement is involving like a family memento. And so she just feels strange using a family memento that like maybe her sister would feel weird about or her sister might want. Or and it, and it's only in play because they're getting engaged first. Like if she got engaged after that, I don't think so. I don't know. All right, it's a detail. It doesn't like, matter. It's, I, it's just like a detail. Like it's a ring from his grandma. Like hopefully, hopefully, like the sister knows about it. Like for example, like my mom has already <laughs> told my. I don't even think she told my brother, but she told me that like she, he, you know. That my brother would have a certain ring if he ever decides to get married, but like he's very, you know, eh, we I don't know if we believe in contracts and the government. Um, and then like she's already told me what ring my sister is gonna get. So, like I guess if you're giving it family mementos, hopefully the parent will discuss it with all the siblings, so there's no like anger or resentment. But that's really yeah neither yeah I, okay that's really I, I got us on a side track. Let's yeah. get into it. Okay, so. You are very sensitive, sweet, and you're like, yeah, you you're you're very worried about what other people's feelings might be or could be, which is something that I really, really relate to, and I do too. And I have like talked a lot to my therapist about this, and she, and she basically has told me, you know, like I can't control how other people feel, and I know like a lot of my friends got engaged that you know, before Nick and I did that we're dating for a shorter amount of time. And I never felt weird about it. Like I, I really just like knew I wanted to marry Nick and wanted us to be engaged, but I didn't care or have any resentment or anger towards anybody else that got engaged sooner. And hopefully this sister feels the same way. Like she's on her own path with her own person that they've been together like a very long time. Clearly they've like had these discussions and Honestly, like if she really wants to get married and this guy is not proposing and isn't moving forward after eight years, like they've got their own stuff to work out that you really cannot control. And there's no there's no rule that says, you know, whoever has been together the longest, like, like has to get engaged first, you know, because then it would be like once you hit the, the two year mark, the three year mark, the year and a half mark, whatever for Nick and I, five and a half year mark, whatever, like, whatever idea, like, like you got to get engaged now. So honestly, like get engaged, celebrate it. You have truly no control over what this person's feelings are. They could not care at all and just be so excited and so happy. Or she could be like really angry at you. And I've had people get angry at me about stuff that I think is so bizarre. And I've had people who I thought would be upset at me about things that are like so happy for me. You know, I, I felt the same way that you feel about telling, you know, getting engaged and telling somebody as I did about telling friends that are going through fertility problems that I am pregnant. And I was like terrified to tell them because I thought it was insensitive or going to trigger them. And I've been like, you know, overwhelmed by like how, how like, you know, kind and like, like warm they've been towards me and not like, resentful where at the same time if they said you know I, I can't be around you I can't see your bump I would also understand that but yeah I, I I can relate because I was scared to tell people I was pregnant and it sounds like you're feeling the same way you're scared to tell people that you're engaged but in the end you can't control how other people feel and you just move forward on your own timeline yeah I there's really nothing to add I you got to do you got to do right by you I mean I, I it's nice to be sensitive and vaguely think about the specifics of y your family but yeah I don't think like like Laura was saying you can't anticipate the way things affect everyone on an emotional level or the specifics of 
somebody else's relationship. Like you might know them very well, but their dynamics are their dynamics and that's for them to deal with. And, and what you should look out for is your relationship. And so you guys are ready to get engaged. Great. If you don't want to do that or you do, like, I don't know. I just don't think those things can be related. And I understand why you're considering it, but I would also just say like, yeah, separate that in your head. There's no responsibility that you have there. Absolutely. If any of you listeners want your questions answered, email us at contact at thisiswhythepodcast.com. You can also find all of our contact info on our website at thisiswhythepodcast.com. If you follow us on Instagram, you can also send your questions via DM if that's your, your you know, you like communicating that way. We're down with the DMs. I think one of these was a DM. Um, anyways, these were great questions this week, so keep them coming. Next up, we're going to talk about what we've been reading in the news. But first, let's thank our sponsors. We would like to thank our sponsor, Movement. Movement makes clean and modern watches, blue light glasses, accessories, getting great quality and style. Doesn't have to break the bank. Angela, you're back. Happy to have you back for I'm back. I'm just sponsors. popping in. Um, we have been with Movement since for like a very long time they've been a sponsor of our show back when they only did watches and now it's really cool to see that they're doing so many amazing things that are affordable but really high quality that look cool that are stylish i've gifted some things from movement to people and i didn't even know yeah now they've got the blue light glasses which is like a thing i have a lot of friends i keep seeing people posting on instagram like got my new blue light glasses yeah, back when I, you know, when we went into an office to work with other people, I remember that was like the hot thing. Everybody wore them because we st- stared at our computer screens all day. So and now you stare them. at computer screens even more, which is true. Yeah, there is still. I just don't have the social pressure of other being like, "Ooh, that person has them. I need them." Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's true. But, but I still feel like staring a if, lot. If anyone needs those blue light glasses for looking at screens too much, it's like pretty much the whole world now because. Pretty much if yeah. you value your eyesight. And also they're like kind of, they're cool looking. Like my sunglasses from Movement are my favorite sunglasses. So yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're stylish as well. Um, and perfect timing. The holidays are coming up. If you don't know what to get somebody in your life, I've gotten Ian a watch. I've gotten my dad a watch. I've gotten my mom a watch. My entire family is out, outfitted in Movement stuff. So check out their website. Uh, they have super sleek matte black packaging that it arrives in, and you just add a little bow and you're good to go. If you're like not really a, a present wrapper, they help you out. It looks really good. Um, their products are one size fits all, and their gift guides help you find the gift that fits their style. Their shipping is fast, and they offer free returns all the way into next year. Not that you will need it. Very cool. Check out Movement's biggest sale of the year with fast, free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash this is why. So it's Movement, but without the vowels. So make sure you spell it right. mvmt.com slash this is why. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Native. With the holiday season right around the corner, we're all getting into the spirit by indulging in the sights and sounds and scents of the season. One thing I made sure to do was update my Native collection with their candy cane holiday scent, which I know is your jam, Angela. I love a seasonal scent. I love seasonally scented candles. Now I have seasonally scented deodorant. This was never a thing before for me. So what a treat. Seasonally scented pits is where it's at. Yes. 
this holiday Candy cane season. armpits. I mean, candy cane, it's minty and fresh. Like, it makes sense. It's the perfect addition to your daily routine this holiday season. Um, but for real, I really do love the native deodorant because it doesn't have any of the bad stuff that you and I are very passionate about keeping out of our beauty products. That's right. Sometimes you buy deodorant in the store. You need to like check what's in there because it could kill you. Other, yeah. Other places are putting aluminum and shit in their deodorant, but not native. Native deodorants don't just block odor butter odor better. They're made better. Native has ingredients you've heard of like coconut oil and shea butter. It's also vegan and never tested on animals. And Native never uses ingredients that shouldn't be in deodorant like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, or talc. Their candy cane gift set also makes for a great gift option. And all Native products are great stocking stuffers for everyone on your list. So if you don't know what to get grandma, get her some candy cane deodorant. It's fun. It's fun and different. Yeah. And it's non-toxic too. Give the gift of Native by going to nativedeo.com slash this is why or use promo code this is why at checkout and get 20% off your first order. Make sure you order before December 7th to get your products in time for Christmas. Don't be that tacky person that's like, sorry, they didn't arrive in time. Uh, that's native deo, like the beginning of the word deodorant. dot com slash this is why, or use promo code this is why. All right, Nicholas, husband, what have you been reading in the news that you want to share with me and our podcast listeners? All right, I've been reading uh, a story from the New York Times. Have you ever heard of it? It's a I have heard <laughs> of great paper of record. <laughs> Uh, the failing New York Times. It is a story called, oh, this is from the parenting section. It's called How to Tell a Great Bedtime Story. It says you got to remember the three Ps, pitch, pacing, and pausing. So, spoiler alert, I chose this story for <laughs> you. And the reason I chose it is because, like I said earlier on the show, for the last few months, you've kind of taken over the bedtime routine uh, a little bit mm -hmm. uh, or a lot. And that includes telling a great bedtime story to our son and they're good the stories are going to get more involved more complicated the older he gets he's going to want more things out of these bedtime stories if you continue these bedtime duties and now that we have two children you most certainly will be putting one of them to bed while i'm putting another one to bed so i i thought you might get some tips but also some of our sure. listeners whether they're parents or not will get tips on how to tell a great bedtime story uh before I launched into it, did, did your parents tell you bedtime stories? Do you remember them? Uh, what I can, I can remember my grandpa telling me a story about frogs. What my dad would do is he would sing to me, and he doesn't really know any children's songs, so uh, he would he would sing like the American anthem, <laughs> the national anthem. That's why, <laughs> I mean, that's why you're so patriotic to this day. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, that's what he used to sing me before bedtime was like all the all these patriotic songs that he probably learned in like Boy Scouts. And yeah, amazing. I I can't remember specifically i mean i know my parents must have i guess i'm asking because i'm wondering what the stakes are of this because it has kind of been my responsibility and i wonder how much of an impact this has long term but the but the author of this article paul l underwood uh he kind of goes into he interviews a, a grammy nominated storyteller he uh really kind of goes into it and he suggests 
kind of basic storytelling craft. And I don't know, he talks to, there's a quote from Rebecca Isbell, uh, who's a PhD in early childhood education. And she says, listening to the story without the benefits of illustrations requires a child to picture characters and events in their own mind. And she's commenting on how they're saying, don't abandon reading to a child just for stories, but uh, coming up with your own world together can be a really fun thing for you to do. And like maybe like a different aspect of the mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so... Then the article kind of goes through things like remember the basics of storytelling, beginning, middle, and end. Uh, have your story take an unexpected direction and use uh, different pitch and different pacing to keep your child on the edge of their seat. Do you do that? Do you do like the voices and the pausing at like a dramatic moment when yeah. Lightning McQueen is about to like hang out with his friend, the train, which is probably what Rilo wants the yeah. stories to be about? Uh, I do. You know, there's... It's interesting, like reading this. It's it's a it's kind of an how a how to. I feel like there's a thing that kind of happens with the bedtime routine, which is like it kind of has to take the shape of what's going on in the bedtime routine. So like for for us, the story is like the last thing that happens. Like, and that's what I'm trying to like. Honestly, this is what this is the problem is because the story this article said, you know, vary your rhythm, your pitch, yeah. your intonation, your pacing, speed yeah. it up, slow it down, like make it exciting. Right. And I'm like, by the time I get to the story, I'm literally trying to hypnotize him to uh-huh. go to sleep. I start talking that, so slow that, and I go, and then the train <laughs> has so sleepy after a long uh-huh. day of yeah. playing. His you're, you're, eyes were tired and heavy. And like that's, those are my stories that I'm telling her is that I'm trying to literally Hypnotize him to go to sleep. Yeah. So I, I don't know. What th- about you? Well, this is this is why this article is like, this is one of these kind of like ideal scenario parenting type articles, which is like, I guess if like I, I was telling Rilo a story in the middle of the day uh, and he wanted to do that, it would make sense for me to like apply theater craft and to like really try to nail Use it. Use your whole you know? body. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, really. doing voices and then like the train goes up the mountain and blah. Yeah, kind of the Robin Williams style, all in storytelling, which like, you know, from time to time, like we do stuff like that. But the bedtime routine story for me is definitely a slower paced, a much calmer. And, you know, he's he's young at this point. We've we have come up with a few characters that we like use over and over again. What are these characters? I mean, I share. Oh, my God. It's it's embarrassing to the level of saying it in a microphone but uh we we made up a character named guna who is uh you're oh i feel like you have tried to name so many characters guna yeah he says what's this, this car's one... name and you say guna no and no, then he goes he... mom what's this car's name and i'm like red speed uh, you're you're not understanding because you because you've been sleeping but guna has been a character that i he might have actually said the name initially and We've just been using him for a long time. And Who is Guna? He's a big old. Uh, his his main characteristic is he has uh, big purple hair and he's got uh, yellow teeth and he's he has big feet and those are the main things about him. And uh, he lives on top of a mountain and uh, you know the, he what? he has adventures. I don't know. He like kind of. When he walks, it shakes the ground, and everybody knows. I'm going to be listening coming. to the monitor. They're tonight. not good stories. This is this is why I, this is why I'm like not so down with this article. 
the the point of the story is it's like this character that he knows about and so when i say like oh what do you want me to tell you a story about he says guna or you know <laughs> or yeah. whatever it must be your secret because he's never asked me I'm for a story sure. about yeah guna. dad tells him the stories about guna i mean it's guna or what are the other characters uh there's not a lot of other characters there's like he he wants a story about baseball or he wants a story about he, for whatever reason, has been hung up on a story that I tell about a race between a motorcycle and a bicycle. Your classic tortoise and the hare setup, you know. We're, <laughs> we're, we're really biting off of the classics for a lot of these. But the whole point, like, I, I actually got to, like, go off of his energy and his vibe because, really, I want the same thing that you want. I want him to go to bed. So the stories aren't that interesting. They start taking pretty much every character after the first, after the setup, uh, get get sleepy. Get sleepy and kind of. Yeah. Because this, <laughs> this article is like use props, uh -huh. live musical accompaniment, and to liven well, it up, like just as professionals do at festivals on recordings. And I'm like, I'm talking, my goal is talking the slowest that I can yeah, talk I, without putting myself to sleep. Yeah, but I think if you, if you take the abstract lesson from their article, it's like, you know. Uh, put the emotional energy and range into the characters that you want the child to experience. And we're doing that. It's just the only experience that we want them to have, we want Rallo to have is fatigue, you know? So, <laughs> so, so I really try to channel that inner me meditative uh, tiredness. Yeah. And, Same. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, this article is, it's, it's funny and it's cool, but I think it like fits into that like um, parenting advice from the idea of like super parent who's, um, you know, going to go give a TED talk about storytelling later. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's not working for my practical parenting tips, but it was an enjoyable read. You want to know what I've been reading? I do. So I've been reading and listening to Janet Lansbury, who <laughs> Nick knows because she's written like my two favorite books on parenting. She's a parenting and childhood expert who specializes and a technique called RIE, which I can never remember what it stands for because what it stands for is not very helpful in understanding what it is. But it's like, it's very like, I would say the overall vibe of this parenting style is like just lots of love and never get mad <laughs> and no timeouts. And I don't know, what would you, how would you describe Janet Lansbury's parenting philosophy? Um, yeah, it's like vibes parenting, you know? It's like, uh, with boundaries, though, yeah, like yeah. it's it's like she's big on like like children feel comforted by boundaries. So you have to like really stick to the boundaries and not give in. They don't like it when you give in. Like if you say, you know, it's it's time for bath time, and they say no, no, no. Like you say, okay, one more minute. But then after that, like if you keep saying like, okay, fine, okay, fine, okay, like children feel they feel. Uh, unloved and like unsure when they feel like they have too much control in the house so it's like a lot like so much love like you know talking about your feelings like really like honest connection no baby talk uh i don't know there's just a lot of things with the rie parenting but i really just um I, I love everything she's ever said about any question and i've like never disagreed with any of her philosophies and i've you know, over the last two and a half, three years, been trying to read about how to be a good parent. I don't think it's something that you can just wing. I don't, you know, I think certain things are like intuitive. Um, but I, I know I'll never regret if I like don't yell at my son or I don't like hurt him. And like Janet Lansbury is like, you don't raise your voice. You don't. I, I'll, if I follow Janet Lansbury, I can't imagine in 10, 20 years, I'll never regret anything that I 
that I did. I might like make plenty of mistakes, but it's like parenting with, with like love and kindness. Um, and I've read a lot of different books and I just love her philosophy. So anyways, I figured I answer a lot of people's questions on, on this show, but sometimes I have questions that I need help with, especially when it comes to parenting. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to DM Janet Lansbury and I'm going to ask her a parenting question. Like, sure. I like I've read her books, but I, I, I wrote to her and she wrote me back and said she wanted to answer my question on her podcast. So she did. And then she also, what I really love, which don't get any ideas because Angela and I are not going to take the time to do this, but she transcribes her podcasts because they're pretty short. They're like 17 to 20 minutes and makes them available so you can read them. So I'm going to just read like some of what she said to my, to my question. Okay. Um, what, what, what yeah, are it's, you? it's just like a podcast Ouroboros here. We're like, uh, podcast within a podcast. Yeah. We're like, yeah, we're, we're, I'm amazed. Podcasters her podcast just like is us. called Unruffled <laughs> for any go. parents out there. Check it out. Um, so she said a parent is concerned that her two and a half year old won't say hello or goodbye to adults, including people he's familiar with. And then she says, you know, here's the message I received. And this message is from moi. Hi, Janet. I wanted to ask a question. I'm not sure if you've answered it before. Our two and a half year old son doesn't seem to want to say hello or goodbye to adults, Wait, which is something. Your performance of yourself is, is like. Is what? I don't know. You're like. I'm a whiny. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're like you put on like a weird affect to do your uh, voice. Okay, leave me alone. Okay. Right. Which is something I'm trying to model and encourage. He won't say hello or goodbye to people in our building when they say hello to him. And at school, which he loves and runs inside to, he won't say goodbye to his teacher. I made the mistake of saying, bye-bye, teacher. Okay, now it's your turn to say it. And now every time he says, it's not my turn. I would even be fine if he ignored people. But when someone says hello, sometimes he yells back, no talk to me. No say that. Any advice? So here's some of the feedback that, that she gave me. She said one of the keys to respectful parenting, which is like what she teaches, or really any kind of effective parenting, is to understand the why. Why doesn't he want to say hello or goodbye to adults? Why do we think he wouldn't want to do that? And she said what we know about young children is that they do not have the same kind of filters we have as adults. They're more sensitive. They're more vulnerable. And so, you know, we kind of take for granted like, oh, hi, how are you? I'm fine. But their children are much more honest than that. And they're taking in this person's energy. Like, do I know this person? Is this person a stranger? And so it's a lot for them to put themselves out there. So she says, first, understand that it's a big deal for a child to respond to someone, especially someone that they, they don't know very well, um, maybe a total stranger or someone that they just are not vibing with their energy. Uh, and then she gives a quote. So Mag Magda Gerber is like her guru that she learned everything from. And she says, one of my favorite things that Magda used to say, referring to the way a baby or a toddler looks at us, she would say, and I'm curious if Nick agrees with this, there are three kinds of people who will look at you that way, a lover, an insane person, and a baby. That quote just really stuck with me. <laughs> like, the way Rila looks in my eyes is the way, like, a lover might, and then also, like, a crazy person in New York. Uh, all right. Yeah, I don't know. It, okay. didn't, it doesn't connect it with me as hard. It didn't connect yeah. All right. Well, anyway. So the point is that children are very honest and open. And she says that, you know, there's this old school way of thinking that 
maybe our parents taught us is that we have to teach manners directly. We have to make our child say, hey, say hi. Like, it's rude if they don't. That's our job. They need to grow up and have manners. And she does not, she believes that that's not the way it works. And that you really just teach children by trusting them, modeling the behavior. So, you know, she says instead of telling a child good job, she prefers that you say thank you to the child and saying hello to the child, saying goodbye and seeing you know, having really good manners in the world and the child will, will see that. And she says manners are a blossoming. What they need is from us is to nurture that environment. And she told me that Rilo has been getting triggered into discomfort anytime I've tried to make him say hello to the point where he's been lashing out at people. Don't talk to me. Don't say that because he feels so uncomfortable that maybe he feels judged by me that I'm going to be disappointed that he doesn't say hello. And it, oh, it made me feel so sad. So what she, she suggested that I talk to Rilo and reframe this for him, acknowledge and express that I was a little pushy about it. I'm sorry if I made him uncomfortable. I totally trust that he's going to do it when he's ready. I'm there for you. I know other people sort of want something, but you don't have to say it. Um, you know, but it does hurt people. It's also okay to say, you know, it does hurt people's feelings when you tell them, don't talk to me. Don't say that. I understand why you're doing it because you do feel uncomfortable, but but please don't say that to people. It hurts their feelings. I promise I'm not going to make you say goodbye or say hi to people. I promise. And then she said, follow through with that. It might not change immediately. There might be a little lag, but if I change the remessaging and I just model the behavior, but I don't put any pressure on him anymore, it it will work. And one thing that stuck with me is she said to think about all the parties that we go to when we really don't want to say goodbye to somebody, we just want to like do the Irish, Irish exit, Irish goodbye, where we just peace out. And I really related to that. Cause I, it is, it's like, sometimes you just don't want to say goodbye to someone or you're just like, I just don't want to say hi. I don't want to have those, you know, forced conversations. So I don't know. I've noticed a difference. I've already tried this with his teacher. I, I just say goodbye to her. I don't even tell, I don't say, I don't tell him to do anything. And he's been waving to her whenever I, um, pick him up from school have you noticed a change in him and what did you think about this advice on the podcast um yeah definitely a change but i also i I think there is a hard thing about like raising a a little dude because he really dramatically changes week over week like his behaviors things come into his life and totally radically change who he is and like what well i i mean this is an example like he there was like a week you know where this was like it's, it would seem like a big deal. Like he was upset when he didn't want to acknowledge new people, and if they tried to acknowledge him, he got he got mad. And then the week after that, and this is before she had answered the question, before the advice had happened, he had started to wave to people. And I, you know, I don't know, like why did it happen? We we were conscious of it. We were thinking about it. But like, I just think there's so many things week by week that are happening. Some of which we're aware of, and then many that we're not. And the hard thing about being a parent is like, is like trying your best to focus on the things that you can affect and that you're aware of. And then in the back of your mind, knowing like the things that impact minds as adults and as children are often sort of operating on this like unconscious level that, you know, we do our best kind of thing. So I feel like it's really good advice. Obviously, she knows how to talk through these questions. and I know, like, even, like, reading her description, it's like, <laughs> you you mentioned it's the Irish goodbye. That's how I know it, too. I, I wondered for a minute, like, is that offensive to Irish people? I think people? it is Are offensive. They, yeah, I think like, it's become offensive. I, yeah, maybe it is. But, 
but uh but it is that whole thing of like it's really the social cues in a city are complicated for adults too like half the time when you're walking down the street you're passing hundreds of people and not acknowledging them at all because you're in transit and i've had to have talks with friends that are like yeah from the midwest or mostly my parents that like are from places where they just like say hello to people like strangers i'm like you don't do that in new york not because you're trying to be rude, but because you don't know which person's crazy. Like, you don't want to trigger a crazy. So just keep to yourself. Well, or or they might think you're crazy. I don't know. It's just, like, there's certain sort of, like, social etiquette. I also, yeah, you also want to just, like, respect people's... Pre- you see too many people. Yeah. Like, you don't want to... F- you don't want to impose on people and make them feel some yeah, like weird exactly. obligation like, to it. Right. Like public space isn't just assumed to be public. Like, it, well, it's, it's people you, are just getting home, you know, right. they, and they Where, can't be in their car by themselves. Whereas when you live in a small neighborhood, if you see somebody, it would be rude not to acknowledge them. So like wh- whatever, but like that translates like for a child, those kinds of like unspoken rules that develop by living in like, you know, a crowded environment, are very hard to parse, you know, because even as adults, yeah, they're hard they, to parse. They, they, but they do see us say hi to people in our buildings yeah, and like, but, right, and but, then maybe not. But on I don't the street. know that I, I don't know. know that those like complicated social boundaries are formed in their minds to like what spaces you do and what spaces you don't. Right, so, he'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. So that's why it's like trying to engineer it or worry about it seems. Um, like we shouldn't. Well, now I hope I didn't out. waste my question on one. <laughs> like we're gonna have lots more questions. We're gonna want Janet's well, help on. It. She, it's not like she's just gonna use her podcast for like Laura Lane's <laughs> parenting advice. We're gonna have to hire well, her. Well, maybe if you let her know, <laughs> maybe you let her know that you're uh, you're you're blowing up her spot on your own podcast. You're you're throwing listeners her way. No, maybe, you want to know if I have another to. question. What I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make you DM it next uh, time from yeah, your Instagram. I'm out. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right. That was Janet Lansbury. Uh, next up, Nick, it's time for us to talk about our topic of the week. <laughs> this week's topic is Laura is pregnant again. So we already talked a lot about my pregnancy, but I thought we would just use this final space on the podcast before we wrap up this week. For you to ask me any questions that you maybe just haven't thought to ask me, haven't wanted to ask me, haven't asked me about being pregnant, about having, being a mother. I don't know. I know I see you every day. We spend quite a lot of time together, but sometimes if you don't have like a a space for like a, with a specific agenda, you might not have just thought of any questions you're shaking your head you have nothing to ask me. <laughs> uh, i'm just staring at the microphone in uh confusion uh what's your what's your biggest uh what's are you gonna been... ask me what my craving is N- no no okay. i was gonna ask like i was gonna say what's um what's the biggest thing that's different about being pregnant pregnant a second time for you um for the first pregnancy, this has been really easy. I mean, besides all the physical changes that feel drastically different, with the first pregnancy, I felt like an instant connection with, like, Rilo, the fetus in my belly, and would, like, talk to him from, like, very, very young, like, you know, a few weeks old. I felt like I knew this person, and I got to know him throughout the whole pregnancy. I'm struggling to do that this time, I think, because I have this like engaging dynamic toddler in front of me to 
bond with and look at, I'm having more difficulty bonding with like like the hypothetical child that we're about to have that I know I'm going to love equally and deeply and like powerfully, but I haven't felt it yet while he's growing inside me. It's a he. I don't know if we said that yet on the podcast, but we're having another boy. Um, that's been like an interesting thing that I've just noticed emotionally is that I had felt like connected with Rilo, like a lot, like throughout the whole pregnancy and like talk to him and sing to him and make up songs for him. And I don't like feel that yet. I like, I'll talk to him sometimes. I'll be like, Hey buddy, how you doing? And like, if it's just like me hanging out in a room, I'll be like, Oh, it's like, it's just me and you, man. <laughs> and like, I'll kind of like, try to like start talking to him but it it's not at the level that it was with Rilo where I like had all these songs I wanted to sing him that I was making up because yeah I think it's just harder when I have this human in front of me already to to bond with does that make sense yeah, yeah. as as the youngest in my own family this is really hitting me hard I really no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no I, I but I feel like you could probably relate I, to that because I th- I mean at least I'm sure every every partner is different but you know if you want to hear like it takes dads typically like a little bit longer to like bond with the kid until they can at the very least like physically hold them and feel them against their skin it's like some idea and um and i I couldn't relate to that i would say it's even longer for the dad because for the first six months dad is primarily a vehicle to give baby to mom (laughs) you know like you know like the baby really wants mom for food and sustenance so it's hard it takes a long time to like yeah I noticed you've like yeah it's like it's like once he could we got lucky that Rilo could really communicate very early in terms of like talking or even like the sign language that he would do but yeah I think it was like once he could communicate with you that was when I I noticed that like some kind of like light bulb in your relationship just like sparked and came to came alive whereas like, you were very I, this is just a, a practical note if your light bulbs are sparking you better uh <laughs> call the fire department whatever because... anyone on the podcast knows i mess up on <laughs> metaphors and you call them monkey misfires because i make up my own my own <laughs> i'm just doing metaphors that i'm just no doing sense. public safety announcements here. That's it. <laughs> uh second question is um like what's your biggest craving <laughs> I don't really get them. I'm mostly, I, I kind of like we have these two giant pies in our refrigerator, uh, and, wanna, I, and wanna, I, I keep waiting till I can crave them because I want like an excuse. But I'm like, all I really want are like acai smoothies lately, wow, and so like that's, that's the most like that's the most teacher's pet answer I've ever heard. No, right? yeah, I don't have any weird. This was a little, like guess, it's kind of I don't have weird craving is just being healthy. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it was. It was like last I was like blueberries. <laughs> You know, superfoods. <laughs> um, one concern that we've talked about with Rilo that I think is adorable, that's something that you talked about from the earliest age, and I wonder if this is, like, more manifest now because we're having a second boy. Uh, I wonder if you still have this fear or you think about it, but one thing you would always bring up is how important it was to you that as an adult, Rilo would travel with you and take vacations with you. Trips to Paris. Trips to Paris, exactly. Having a, <laughs> having a second boy. Because you have no desire to go to Paris. I do. Trips. I need I, a buddy I, I to go think, on trips to Paris. I think with. it's I think it's more than that because I think it's a very specific kind of fantasy that you have. Uh, having another boy does that does that damage this like kind of fantasy future life? Are you excited about the idea of like 
two boys together. Has it hit you yet? Are they, you know, is that... Um, about, like, if I care about the gender? Well, I feel, yeah, like, I feel very And, and also conflicted. just the forward projection of, like, what your yeah. life's going to be like. No, it's hard. Friend. You have no idea what the relationship will be like. Like, I don't go on trips with my mother, really. That was, like, but I see friends that, that like, do it. And it, you can't, like, project any relationship. I have friends who, like, don't get along with their brother, like, a guy friend that, like, doesn't get along with his brother. And, like, they just are not on speaking terms. And then I know friends that, like, their same sex sibling is like bestie till the end. Like I have a different relationship with my like sister and brother. And so like, like the, the, the sex thing shouldn't really matter. I don't know. So, someone said something to me. He's like, he's this, you know, little boy's going to be the best man at Rilo's wedding. And I was like, <laughs> and I don't, and that's like, it's like some weird like i don't even know if rilo's gonna want to get married i don't even know if this other little baby will like be his best man should he get married he might have no best man like they might hate each other i really hope they love each other but i don't know why i got, like started getting all teary-eyed and <laughs> when i was like this like hypothetical marriage that my two-year-old's gonna have and, and his you, uh, hypothetical fetus is and, gonna yeah, be a best man and you man. opened up a google doc for like the speech you were planning on to give yeah it was very weird but i was yeah. like oh my god you're right he's gonna be his best man and then i was like this makes no sense it is it's really hard to like project i i thought i was having a girl because they say girls make you sicker and i this pregnancy just felt so so different so i was more surprised when i found out that i wasn't but i also yeah it's weird it's like logically i don't really want to care about gender and like feel like it doesn't make any sense to care about it because i have no idea who this person will be he could be like riles loves his trucks and cars this little kid could be into like his fairies and princesses and want to play with all my my dresses like i have no idea who this person's gonna be so it shouldn't matter what sex they are but yeah there's some weird thing where like you want a boy you want one boy one girl or or two boys and a girl like you want to like experience it all but which is also it just makes no sense you don't know who these people will be so i feel just like it doesn't it doesn't really matter and and but honestly, the most thing that I'm upset about is that I had like a really good girl name that I was excited to use. So maybe we'll have three kids. How right. do you? What I do you? You, a, you I know. A, I already know the answer. Here. You don't really care about. No. Yeah, you don't care. No, but I do think that uh, there is this like default internal setting. I think you were kind of talking about it a little bit. Just like people imagine their domestic life to be somewhat based on the model of whatever their domestic life was growing up whether oh no i, I want to like, be the what, opposite of what my well, was growing whether up. Or, whether or not you enjoyed it or have like a high opinion of it your mental like just the default just your brain has this idea of like that's how things are and so like if you're living in opposition to it or whatever there's kind of this like placeholder in your mind of like family structure that you know anything that happens that's a deviation from that is like it registers and like either you're like this is good or this is bad and uh and i just think it's like that is a, a, an interesting thing like having i didn't have a brother growing up so like the idea that i'm gonna have two boys and they're gonna have brothers like that seems awesome to me because that like that's like a fantasy as a child that i would have of like what would it be like to have a brother and you know it's obviously just like a complicated projection of what that even means but uh but yeah, it's it's kind of cool, and I know like the I think the day that we found out that he was a boy, uh, there was like it, it felt like a scene out of a movie where we were at like the farmers market and these like two little blonde boys 
speaking some Eastern European language came up and sang a little song to Rilo and <laughs> like we were both like observing that and it was just like it was just kind of cool because it was like oh he's gonna he's gonna be singing his little Hungarian song someday with his little brother and yeah uh, I know really you, you hope it is interesting though like sibling relationships they like they flow in and out and like you could be closer to one and then late like and as an adult feel differently or grow closer like my brother yeah. and I used to like truly like beat each other up as children and we would just like fight and scratch each other and now he's like my best bud so you just have no idea like they might (laughs) as kids love each other and then as adults not and then or it could reverse i mean obviously as parents i want to do the best that we can to just like have yeah siblings that respect (laughs) each other and love each other and like are best friends forever but i yeah it's it's it, well, it's hard this, as a parent being having so much out of your control. Like I can't imagine, like if Rilo or this new baby grows up to like not like me for yeah, some well, reason. I, I, like I, mean, I have like this I, fear of that, you know. So here's the final question: uh, Will you let Rilo listen to this podcast uh, to to your podcast as an adult? <laughs> no, I mean I really hope this so podcast to, like is erased delete, from we're the have internet. To the files. Yeah, no. All right, well, I mean I talked about like what sexual position that we were in when we conceived Riley. Like, I don't... No one should well, have that, to listen. Well, then, no child should have to listen to that. I, so I, I'm scared I'm to say gonna... we better start scrubbing the internet now because it's got a long tail. It's hard to get rid of this stuff. No, it's going to be gone. They're, these aren't going to last when he's, what, <laughs> in, in a decade? No well, way. My MySpace is gone. Like, half the articles I wrote for ESPN, like, you know, are are not even on the internet anymore. I'm not worried about this podcast. All right. This is a challenge to the listener. Find Laura's MySpace account and, uh, and let's Please see what don't. she had to say. <laughs> um, guys, that is it for this week's, unless you have anything else. No, that's add. all I've got. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for co-hosting with me. That was a lot of fun. Well, I had fun too. Uh, I like co-hosting with you. We should do it more. Um, that is it for this week's This Is Why podcast. I think I said this while you're single, but it's just this is why now uh check out angela and my book this is why you're single and my new book cinderella on the glass ceiling and other feminist fairy tales we encourage you to get them from your local indie bookstores if they don't have them in stock they will almost always order them for you and get hooked up on discounts from all of our sponsors for a full list of our sponsors and the codes check out our podcast page on this is why the if you're having any trouble with the codes just shoot us an email and we'll help you out personally and that kind of stuff doesn't bother us at all. We genuinely want to make sure the codes are working. Uh, also, follow us on social. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Is Why the Podcast. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. It really helps us out. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. This is why, this is why. Pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news. This is why the podcast. That was a headgum podcast.